a new series today that is entitled, Don't Lose Heart. We start, of course, with the message today. Next week, Don't Lose Heart, and we're going to deal with you. You know, how do you survive? How do you uh, rise above circumstance in your own life? How do you deal with you and the things that you know about you? And we're going to talk about that next week. Tonight in this service uh, is our annual time to pray. Pray over students, pray over administrators, our staff from VCA, uh, our students from around the county, no matter what school, VCA, uh, Lakeland High, Lake Gibson, McKill, uh, whatever the schools are, uh, all those students that are part of our church will be here. What we do is this, that prayer, we, you, students or parents, you do not have the ability to see your student uh, on school campus every day. But the anointing of God can rest upon them. I mean, a divine unction of God's Holy Spirit. And when you can't see, that anointing is there. And so we, as God spoke to me a number of years ago, to just anoint every student and pray God's blessing over them. And that's important. What does that do? The Bible says the anointing seals the presence of God. And so we're asking that. So in the service tonight, youth team's going to be here. They're going to speak. Uh, they're going to have a segment. We're going to have videos. We're going to have worship. And then I'm going to speak one segment as we kind of divide it up. And then we're going to pray. We're going to pray for all school administrators. So I hope that you're here tonight. And I for you may say, I don't, I don't have any children. Yeah, you do. They're all a part of here. We, we're a family. Victor Church is a family. So those of you that are older and say, I don't have any kids, I don't have any grandkids, but you know, these kids really do need your prayer support. So would you consider being a part? And then uh, you, you don't, you don't want to stay home tonight. I mean, my Lord, how mercy. What in the world is at home where you can be at church and enjoy the black? But tonight is that special night. Don't lose the heart is the message title. Life's filled with surprises. Uh, if you uh, don't like surprises, you're not going to like life. Because you can never calibrate it, you can never control it, you can never determine what's going to happen to you. Some of you right now are living out a circumstance in your life you never planned on when you were a young person, when you were in your 20s. You never planned on walking the path that you're in now. Some of you that are older said, I, I thought I was just going to be healthy and now you have ailments and pains and aches that has really slowed you down. And life is tough. Well, why? Is it because somebody owned the job? Is it because, you know, lack of a good diet? What is it? Sin is the culprit. Say that with me. Sin is the culprit. The bottom line is when Adam and Eve were in the garden, it says that they broke the law of God, that law that God said, don't touch that tree. They were disobedient. It was Adam's fault. Don't ever say, well, it was equal fault. No, it wasn't. It was Adam. He was a designated person. Eve may have brought to pass the uh, opportunity for the influence, but nonetheless, Adam did not hold his ground and disobeyed God. So let's just put the blame where it belongs. So when sin took place, it changed the world in which they knew it was a perfect place, but not perfect any longer. And life, of course, was supposed to be that perfect place in paradise. Sin entered the picture, and it became difficult. The economy is broken because it's not perfect. The body is broken because it's not perfect. The weather is not perfect. That's why we pray, Lord, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? 
because heaven is perfect. So we pray, God, in all this mess down here, we pray your will be done here as it is in heaven. We'd like a few days so that it is perfect. Here's something else that's against you and me and the church. It's found in Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6, it says, there are evil forces of darkness that come out of the influences of the enemy, Satan himself. And those evil forces are there that's always working on you. Did you know, and maybe you consider agreeing with me, that it's easier to make a bad decision than a good one? Did you know that? It's easier to do wrong than it is to do right. It's easier to just live a life that's away from God, not committed to anything, than it is to say, I'm going to be disciplined and I'm going to do the right thing. Why do you think that is? That is the influence of the evil forces of sin. Here's something else. There is satanic influence. The devil is real. He's not a figment of your imagination. He's a very real individual. He was created by God. He thought he was going to be equal to God, but he is not. He rebelled in pride, and when he rebelled in pride, he lost his place in the line of God's family. And since then, he's endeavored to enslave people, endeavored to cause them to do wrong, endeavored them to dabble in things they should never be engaged in. That's why 14 million people in the USA today are involved in sex trafficking alone. But there are those who made it. I intend to make it. Say that with me. I intend to make it. Say it again. I intend to make it. To do that, you're going to have to make a determination to depend on God's grace and God's mercy and always give yourself and others a second, third, fourth, fifth chance. They're found, this group of heroes in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, talks about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, Gideon, Samson, even talks about Rahab the harlot, and said they learn, they learn to live by faith. And when you live by faith, it's easier to do try to do the right thing. And you can't learn to live by faith. Try this on now. Fasten your seatbelt and always live by your feelings. You can't live by faith and always live by how you feel. Feelings is not a good judge. Emotions is not a good judge of who you are. It's not an indicator of who God is. But faith trumps everything. And the Word of God gives us faith in order to live by and says in tough situations, that's when you reach and you grab the faith that you have and you say, well, how strong is this faith? Is this faith strong enough to bridge the chasm of what I'm going through now? Is my faith strong enough to manage the death of a spouse or or the death of a marriage or, or the death of a child or the breaking heart of physical challenges or financial reverses? Is my faith strong enough to overcome the resistance of those who despise me, who hate me? Is my faith strong enough to make me want to rise up when I feel like giving up and make me want to be encouraged when I I don't want anyone to talk to and I want to be separate from everyone else? Is my faith strong enough? And if it's not, You need to work on it, and that's the purpose of the message. So he says, there were those that rose above it all, Hebrews 11, 35, but others, talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, trusted God that they were tortured, and they were tortured, preferring to die rather than turn from God and be free. They chose their circumstance. 
I heard a speaker from Iraq the other night in one of the uh, banquets that I attended. It was a small intimate banquet. There was probably less than 100 there. This individual, of course, is the pastor of one of our churches. He's pastoring a church, and one day, those people from ISIS, of course, came and took him out and threw him in prison. Every day, they would beat him and torture him. Every day, they would take a hammer and hit his hand. He's scarred. Every day, they would burn him. Every day, they would cause him not to eat, no water, no food, until he could hardly raise his hand. And he says, but I knew that I would not deny my faith, that my life was not my own. And it took months and months and months for them to finally decide that I would not break. And of course, he said, as a result of the invasion there in Iraq, I was delivered out of prison just in time before my death. And then he said this, you Americans have no idea how blessed you are And you Americans, whatever it is that you are facing, is nothing compared to what some of us have had to face. And all I had to do was say, I deny my faith in Jesus Christ. He said, can you imagine how many times I was tempted to say, God, forgive me, I deny the faith, and go back to my cell And say, God, forgive me. Your grace is sufficient. I'm sorry. Do you know how many times I was tempted to do that? But he said, I was a true follower of Jesus Christ and never flexed. I thought about myself, all the challenges that we face. I thought, God, well, how unbelievable is that? In the last 100 years, there's more individuals who have died for their faith in the last in the last couple of years than the last hundred years, 14 million people a year, 14 million people a year die because they're Christians. So what do we have to complain about? And how strong is our faith? How great is our God? You see, they're killed around the world, but you don't hear much in the news media about that. That would be wrong. The writer there said they placed their hope in Hebrews in the resurrection for a better life. They were mocked. Their backs were cut open, whips, chains, and dungeons, and died by stoning, sawed in half, killed with a sword, wandered around starving to death. It says they were too good for this world. But then it says, but God had better things in mind for us that would also benefit them, for they can't receive the prize at the end of the race. Get this, they can't receive their prize until the end of the race. And you and I are the ones running that race now. They ran, handed the baton off, and in this present day in which we live, we are running. And if the Lord tarries, we will pass the baton off. We'll pass it off to another generation. So let me give you a couple of little points. Faith doesn't spare us from pain. You can be doing the right thing and still be in pain. Some of the promises of God will be fulfilled in eternity. If you feel like God hasn't fulfilled a promise, get ready. You're going to live for eternity, and some of those promises will come to pass then. And then those mentioned, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they can't receive the prize 
even though they've gone ahead of us. But they are watching. We need to remember that all of heaven is watching. Hebrews 12, verse number 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, we're watched every single minute, every single hour. We have an audience in heaven. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and those that have gone before, <coughs> nothing is personal or private. Heaven is watching. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. In other words, how many of you ever thought that your parents had eyes in the back of their head? How many thought it and you found out they really did? Because when you became a parent, you got those same eyes in the back of your head. You can see it. My Lord of mercy. You see, Job 31 verse 4 says, He sees everything I do, every step I take, all my ups, all my downs, all the decrees of difficulty, all the pain. He knows the financial statements when they're not good. He knows when the divorce decree is there. He knows when the bankruptcy is filed. He knows all of that, and there are those that are watching. Here's something else. It's important to eliminate what doesn't matter. Eliminate what doesn't matter. Hebrews 12, 1, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Why is that important in life? If you take a battery and you take a battery and you say, I've got a battery here, I want to plug in one appliance and then I want to plug in another and plug in another and plug in another. Every time you plug another one in, it weakens that battery until you reach that place. That battery says, hey, I don't have enough power to meet the demand of all those things that are plugged in and it gets weak and it's dead. After flying for five hours on an airplane, we got to the airport the other night at about 11 o'clock, Friday night, all weary, worn, bruised, grabbed the luggage, hauled it, sweating, got to my car, pulled the fob out, pushed the button on it, nothing, nothing. No light, no beep, nothing. I thought, oh Lord, I turned to Sharon. I said, the battery is dead as a hammer. She said, do something. I said, the battery is dead. It's dead. Steve and Kathy Powell traveled back with us. They had their car. They were leaving the airport. I called, hey guys, you know, uh, may need a ride home. Oh, okay, we'll turn around. You know, turn around. They came back. We had luggage and all that went with it. And I thought, you know, a little, little fob or whatever you call the thing. I thought, you know, maybe it has set in my pocket so long it's gotten kind of, it needs a little tap. I took it and tapped it on a metal post. I thought, well, it didn't work. I thought, maybe you need a little more. I tapped it. I thought, shh, shh, nothing happened. I said, maybe if I throw this thing down on the concrete, it'll help it. It has the bruises. But that didn't help. Then I thought, how am I going to get in the car? It's an automatic lock with this crazy little thing I've got here. No key. How am I going to get the hood open? It's on the inside, the latch. I called AAA. Sharon said, do something. She said, Wayne, what we need to do is get in the car with Steve and Kathy and we need to just let them take us home and you can come back tomorrow. I said, I'm not leaving. I am not leaving this car. 
I'm not going. How many men say amen? I'm staying here. My level of anxiety was rising. I wanted to grab the front end of the car and jerk it off. I did. It kept rising. I thought, I can't even get in my own car. So what do I do? I call AAA. They'll be out sometime. <laughs> when I get your statement, I'm going to send back. I'll pay you sometime. <laughs> he said, what about airport security? So we called airport security, and they came. Somebody flagged them down, and they came over. I thought, I got to get in the car. So what did I do? I did what every good technological expert does. I Googled, how do you get in a 2015 Escalade? And what did they say? Here's a little video. I thought, a video. That's what I need. I looked at a video. I found out. I can get in the car. I found out in my possession was a key that I didn't even know I had in the thing. And that I didn't tear it up when I was banging it on the concrete. I pulled it out. I thought, how do you do it? Jerk the handle open. Take a piece of chrome off. You can do it all with these mighty hands here. Take a piece of chrome off. It just pushes right off. I thought I can go to work for Gunders. Now I know how to dismantle a car. Pulled the key out, stuck it in, it opened up. I said, that's a major victory. <laughs> you see, all that had raised my anxiety level high. I felt emotions that felt so good but were wrong. Hello? Wrong. I had anxiety. I thought, buddy, I'll put my fist through that window. Then I thought, no, you can't do that. Because there are those that are watching, and it will really hurt. <laughs> Finally, after 30 minutes, they got there, plugged in. The battery was set for 30 minutes, raising his engine up. I would go, you should try it. Wait 10 minutes, try it. Try it. I thought, I'm going to try it, buddy. I'm tried out. How many can sense the emotion I felt? Now I am, I am sweat, I am just up to here. But the last time, when he said try it, see on the on the car, it has this button you gotta push. No key. Why in the world? There's just more security when you have a key to put in the car and turn it on. But push the button. I thought, buddy, I'm going to hold you down until you have lost your. I put my fist on it. My, I felt like putting my, put my thumb on it. And then it went and started. I thought, hallelujah. Sharon had already grabbed the car and prayed over it, marched around it and everything else. The whole works, and it started. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you know that now I have a new battery in that car? That's right. Here, here's my point. That battery was there. Why? I don't know. Somebody said, what happened? I don't know what was happening. I wasn't there. I know the battery was dead. And I know a dead battery, you can't go anywhere. And here's what he's saying. That's the desire of the enemy to cause us to lose the life in our spiritual battery 
that we become a little bit lethargic, that we become a little bit apathetic, and we forget who God is. Our God is the Lion of Judah. He is the Rose of Sharon. He is the one that's coaching us through every circumstance. But he said, in order for you to do what you need to do, strip off everything that slows you down. Now, there's a difference between a weight and a sin. A weight is something that you might have that's not necessarily wrong. It just may be you have a television and it's a weight, or you have a Facebook and it's a weight, or you have something, a job that it's a weight, and and weights don't necessarily have to be wrong. If you abuse them, they become wrong. A sin, however, a sin is something that you know to do and you fail to do it. It will slow you down more quickly. And here's what happens. The devil's desire is for all of us to desire the comfortable life. We like our prayers answered now. We like our lives to make sense now. We don't want surprises that we don't know about unless it's going to be fun when it happens. We like to live in this nice, sweet cocoon. And here's what we read in the Bible, and we all know that that's not the way that it is. We have sins, sins sins like holding a grudge, holding bitterness, holding hate, holding anxiety in, holding those kinds of temperament and say you're a Christian. Sure, you're a Christian, but you are slowing yourself down because you're draining the energy out of your own life. He says, James says, 417, anyone that knows the good he ought to do doesn't do it. It sins. Here's number three. I must run God's race and not the race that others have set for me. You have to find your point of focus. You might say, well, I never counted on being divorced. You didn't know very few people I do. I don't, I don't do many ceremonies when I'm standing up there and say, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife, to having a hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for rich or poor, in sickness and health, say I do. And the people say, I do. And they say, oh, but I plan to divorce her after a while. <laughs> I, I, that's never, I, don't, I don't ever hear that. I've had two or three that paused quite a long time before they said I do. And one time in which I had shine shoes on, I tried to let my shoe shine reflect the light to hit their eyes to wake them up to say it is now time to say I do after about a 15-minute pause. Wake up. But we find that in that moment that God has placed us in a race right now, wherever you're at, and you're a follower of Jesus Christ. It is a part of the race God has allowed you to be in. Here it is. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. I ran into a precious couple between the services a while ago in the in the hospitality suite, and I walk up and shoot the gal's hand, and I said, Hi, I'm Wayne Blackburn. And I said, Your name? She said, Patience. patience I said wonderful I should I said what's your name husbands I said I'm sorry for the pause but it took me a minute your name is patience yeah patience that's a good name that's not my name but it's a great name but took patience God has to give us those opportunities for patience the race that God has set before us so here's what I've happened I never back my car into a parking place 
or I very seldom do. Or let me say this. 695 times out of 700, I don't back in a parking place. There are some that do, I know. It's your deal. It's the way you're wired. You've got to back in. At Orlando, when I parked, I backed in the parking place. I didn't have any idea. Sharon said, why did you back in? I thought, well, I just thought I would back in. Now, I was right against the railing, right against the railing that just goes down like that. Do you know how wonderful it was when it finally dawned on me all the dead battery stuff? Of how wonderful it was because I was back up close to the poles. Where the guy walked up when I opened the hood and plugged the battery deal in. And it didn't dawn on me, God, you knew then. Ten days ago, I wasn't thinking. I didn't know why. I didn't understand it. I didn't anticipate. But you knew then I needed to back in because that battery would be dead. You believe that? That battery would be dead. That's how God works. Had he told me the battery was going to be dead, I'd have just left her running. The point is, listen, young guys, when you follow Jesus Christ, there are things that will happen in your life you don't understand. There will be circumstances that will confront you. But remember this, the Bible says the footsteps of a young person that follows the Lord will be ordered of God. God already knows the race that we're running. Number four, I must focus on Jesus and not my circumstances. Hebrews 12, 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus on whom our faith depends from start to finish. We, we go through difficult times and we think, I can't make it. We go through difficult times. I, I, I had a company here that's a member. He's one of the board members called me over one time to their office. And he said, Pastor, we don't know if we're going to have to close the business or not. We can't. Last week, we barely made payroll. This week, it doesn't look like. We've exhausted all of our resources. And I don't know what we're going to do. I can hear. <laughs> Pray. I said, come in the office. Give me your books. It's on the computer. I said, lay hands on it. Where's the mail? Lay hands on the mail. So maybe you did all that? Sure. I prayed. We prayed. Thank you. Don't call back. <laughs> Friday afternoon, mailman came by, already been by once. <laughs> he came again. 
and brought a check in that more than met payroll. I see them today. I see their company thriving and never looking back, having now no financial worries whatsoever, enjoying the abundance of God. But they believed if we pray, they believed, God, this is yours. They believed in the journey they're walking on because everything that they had was invested in that business. And God answered prayer. Listen carefully to me. Some of you are about to get more favor than you can manage because you have been faithful when it was, would have been easier to give up. Some of you are going to get more favor than what you ever dreamed of because you have walked through the valleys of the shadow of death. Some of you are going to get more miracles or the miracle that you've been looking for that's not the miracle you've been thinking about but a miracle that's beyond anything that you would imagine because you, are, you have been running faithfully the race that God has set before you. You've not done the Jonah thing. Jonah thing in which God said, I want you to go over there to Nineveh, I, but I don't want to go there. And you ran away over to Spain like Jonah did. Jonah says, but it brought me to the place in Jonah 2 verse 7 that when I had lost all hope I once again turned my thoughts to the Lord. Giving up is not in God's plan. Retreating is not in God's plan. Taking a breather is not in God's plan. God's saying, listen stand firm and declare your faith. Number five, minimize the pain by maximizing the profit. What does that mean? Almost anything of value involves pain. If you're going to get in shape, you're going to be sore. I know that from my own experience. Once. You get financially in shape, you're going to do without some things. You're going to get spiritually in shape, you're going to have to make your mind up to practice some disciplines. Having faith in God that will withstand the roaring lions and the fiery furnace, my friend, will take discipline. And you have to look not at what you're going through now, but look at the long-term circumstance. After all that I went through with the battery thing, <coughs> I thought, wow, this is really something now. I thought about backing in. I thought, God, what was all that about? What was the purpose of all of that? Here's what I had to do in order to make it work, because there were a lot of things that I wanted to do, but I had to capture me. Y'all with me? Sometimes we have to tell ourselves to shut up. Amen? Sometimes we have to tell ourselves, don't lose your temper like that. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves to grow up. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves, be a brighter light. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves to stop complaining. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves that there's a whole lot other people that's worse shape than we are. And what he's saying here is Jesus is willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he knew which would be his afterward. In other words, he said, I'm not going to complain. 
I'm going to die because of crucifixion. My death is important. I'm not going to complain about it. I'd rather not do it, but I'm going to do it. He experienced the pain. He experienced the difficulty. He experienced the crucifixion. Why? So that you and I today can bow our knees and our hearts and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness because he stood the pain instead of running from it. He did for you and me. We don't let it just stand there and glare. When Sharon says we can load up, we go and we come back tomorrow. Uh, 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 we're not leaving. I said, you're welcome to go. But I'm going to stay here. When I leave, it's going to be in this car, even if it's on the back end of a wrecker. Because <laughs> out in California, I figure they do about anything. Here's something else I think is important for us to remember. God said, I want you to wait till the fruit is exposed. Finally, remember and think about what Jesus has done for you. What has he done for you? Their old song we used to sing, count your blessings, name them one by one. Here's what I'd like for you to do today. I'd like for you to take a few minutes sometime this afternoon. And just take a moment before you go to bed and think about what God has done for you. Hebrews 12, 3 says, think about all that he endured when sinful people did such terrible things to him so that you don't become weary and give up. Think about what he did for you so you don't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given up your lives in your struggle against sin. You think you have a legitimate reason to cool off? You think you have a legitimate reason not to be engaged? Mike Huckabee, in his speech, he said the church he lives in West Florida now, Panama City or Pensacola somewhere. He said the church that he and his wife joined there requires that you plug in ministry requires you have to be able to say this is what i do here he said what i chose to do is drive a golf cart and haul people from the outer parking lots it's a large church 15 or eighteen thousand. haul them into the church haul the senior adults from the handicap into the church he said that's what i do i love doing it I get all kind of questions. You look a lot like Mike Huckabee. <laughs> he said, you think so? Yeah, you look a lot. He said, I enjoy that. I'll tell him when I see all kind of things. But he said, it gives me the privilege, even in all that I do, and crawling on airplane after airplane after airplane, speech after speech, interview after interview, it brings me back in that little golf cart. Hauling people reminds me of why I have any hope at all. And it's all because of him. You haven't had to be a martyr yet. You haven't died for your faith. So maybe the battery goes dead. They still make other batteries. 
the real test of faith when I went to have the other battery put in yesterday. I asked him, I said, can you take me down to my office where I can go to work? Oh, it's only going to take a few minutes. Okay, well, I'll wait. I'm tired. Which battery you want? I said, I want one that works. <laughs> I want one that's not going to run down. I want to give you this battery. It's good. Only going to be just a short while. Thank you. I'm sitting there. I waited and waited. I got up and went in and said, a short while is about up. He said, oh, it's, uh, it's here. They're putting it in. I said, that's good. There was a precious little couple in the waiting area. She was garnished with tattoos. I struck up a conversation with them, talked with them. What high school did you go to? Oh, I went to Lake Gibson. Where are you from? You live here? Sure. What are you having done to your car? We're getting the oil changed. I said, y'all go to church? Well, you know. Yes or no? Feel the spirit of Judge Judy come on me? Yes or no? <laughs> but it doesn't, that doesn't work that way, and she doesn't work that way, by the way. It's a television program. I had a chance to minister to them. So he came and said, well, the battery that they brought won't fit. I, th I felt that spirit coming. <laughs> won't fit. I thought I could have done a lot of work at the office. It won't fit. But we're running to get another one. It'll just be a short time. Yeah. Okay. They got up and they left. I thought, here I am. But in a few minutes, they came back and had a chance to minister again. Friend, if you think one minute of your life is useless, if you think one minute of your life is you're the one on the bottom, you'd be dead wrong. Because when you follow Jesus Christ, whatever happens, always God will give you the victory. If you just stay committed to him, it will happen. Come on, put your hands together. That's good. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the greatest congregation in the world, the best-looking people in the world. We thank you because we know you're real and alive. We thank you for our online audience. Some wonderful people out there watching, friends of mine that I know around the nation are watching, and we're grateful and we're humbled. But right now, here, God, we, we need to confess. We need you to help us. We need you to pick us up. We need you to redeem us. We need you to forgive us. We need you to energize us. So here's what we do know, that we don't want to lose heart. Here's what we do know, that no matter what we're walking through, you're walking with us. Here's what we do know, no matter what path we're on, even though it's one that we may not have chosen or did not choose, that you still have a way of bringing us through to the place that will bring victory to you. And God, it doesn't matter who we are, how much money we have, we all face life. Life can be surprising sometimes. 
I ask you to help us. Here's what I do know. I don't want to become weary in well-doing. And somebody that I know, love, and trust, I miss their moment to be able to talk to them about Jesus. So God, I ask you to help us. And we know that our momentary troubles, that's what your word says, will be pale compared to the reward of hearing you say, well done. So help us not lose heart. Help us to just praise you and thank you. For those of you, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'm going to ask everyone to repeat this prayer with me right now. And let's just get, let's just get this taken care of so we can feel clean inside, shall we? Repeat the prayer. Dear Jesus, I have sinned and I've done wrong and I need your help. So today, even though I messed up, I believe by faith you created this moment so that I could be redeemed. So here's my heart. Here's my life. Here are my scars. Use them as you choose. I give my heart and life to you for your honor and glory in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We know that. If you need prayer, you prayed that prayer. Makes no difference what the need is. One of the testimonies that we heard there was from a pastor riding after preaching three times on Sunday morning, riding his motorcycle, Sunday afternoon, just having a wonderful time. And a driver came across, drunk driver, and took his, took his wife's life. He woke up 51 days later and lost his leg. Didn't know that his wife had expired. When they gave him the news, your wife's gone, your leg's gone. He said there was the, there was the enemy that really tried to work on me. How is that possible? But he said, I went through that. I had praying families and people in the church around the country that loved me. And today I can tell you, it's been a couple of years ago, I can tell you that God has been good to me. And I can tell you that never one time did God give up on me. And never one time did the enemy lead me into the wilderness, but what God was right there with me. You see, friend, the God you serve is the Lion of Judah. Pay attention to what he says. Pay attention to his plan. Don't play games with him. Trust him. Honor him. Be committed. Be disciplined. And say, I am going to be a follower. And if you need to come into this altar, we prayed to sinner's prayer. And you need healing in your body. Here's what he says. Sick among you, afflicted, come on down. Some of you may have needs in your own life or for someone else. You say, I really, God, I want you to touch them. And you may need to come for that reason. You come right now as we sing this song, then the benediction. Here we go, everybody. You come if you need prayer.